The following program may contain content that your kids would love to hear, but you may not want them to. Gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, my mother thanks you, my mother thanks you, my sister thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, my mother thanks you, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my mother thanks you, my mother thanks you, my sister thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, my mother thanks you, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My mother thanks you. My mother thanks you. My sister thanks you. My father thanks you. My mother thanks you. My sister thanks you. My father thanks you. My mother thanks you. My sister thanks you. My mother thanks you. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. My mother thanks you. My mother thanks you. My sister thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I thank you. I'm not leaving without these diamonds. Diamonds? I'm just here for the stains. Man, what do you want, Frank? Hey, Frank, shut the fuck up. Shut up, Frank. Hey, everybody, shut the hell up. It's Frank time. Holy shit, I think that's Frank. Frank, what are you doing? Frank, you disgust me. Frank, it's me, your brother. I did not know Frank has brothers. Frank, you couldn't have possibly thought this was a good idea. It's the Frank Show! If you have a problem with that, then fuck you! Frank, help me! I'm lost in this world without you! Frank, where the fuck have you been? If you don't listen to Frank, then what are you been listening to? I really need you, Frank. Frank, we need you now more than ever. Help us! Frank, will you just please get back to the show already?
Frank, here's another idea. Oh, 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 where'd you come from? I've been walking next to you the entire time. <laughs> Frank! Frank! Where are you? Finally, he went back, and I walked by the table, and I said, How are you, Don? Nice to see you. He said, Can't you see I'm eating, Frank? What are you doing? <laughs> Frank, what the hell are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. I'm Frank, remember? The results say that you, Frank, are absolutely not my father. But my father is a close relative, most likely one of your brothers. Dad has brothers? Hey, you know, I think I met the one that sells smoked sausage and razor blades out of the trunk of his car. We're, we're all related. Uh, family of the uh, human race uh, are here. You all here at once? A server would blow up, I think. Don't you? Before there were interstructure plans anywhere on the face of the earth to fix all the places that are corroding. Long before that, there was the Hallelujah Trail. And you know, now that I hear some of that stuff that goes on before I start talking in this show, I realize that uh, with AI is here now, and uh, perhaps sooner, sooner or later, you're going to be hearing me, and it's not me. It's an AI voice track. Maybe we can get that done just to show more how the Hallelujah Trail has uh, expanded. Maybe. Anyway, stay with us. Uh, it's going to be as crazy as usual. Ice cap to ice cap from Hamlet to City, from Othello and into every bordello. It is I. Wake up. Wake up. It's night. And here we are on the network. The blog, the podcast, the Hallelujah Trail, all this stuff that has been going on for far too long. <laughs> I think we should just, you know, I, I have no idea. I do know one thing. And that is, there's always a topic. There's always something to talk about. There's always something that we're doing that no one else on internet or landline radio is doing. Ain't happening. That's why you come here. That's why we're here. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, tell your friends' families and their pets that we are here live as often as is humanly possible after X amount of years. If you're not listening to Frank, now you like that? You like those voices? All oh, They're all fake. Fake is artificial. So why didn't they call it fake intelligence? Because fake became more popular over the last couple of years. I don't know why. 
Anyway, you could replenish your precious bodily fluids. I hope you have your three beverages. This sounds like the old days. I don't want to get reminiscent. I just want to say that you should replenish your precious bodily fluids. It was, you know, that was uh, one in the beginning, in the beginning, <laughs> before, in the beginning when modems went, remember like that? In the beginning when modems did that and there was no broadband and there were no bands of broadness, there was just this. And uh, we uh, always said that the one thing we thought and felt, if you got nothing out of this show, week after week or hour after hour, however you listen to it, if you got nothing else, Please remember, dehydration is the enemy. And as summer approaches, and this is the, oh my gosh, is this the 23rd? So be the 20, could be the 24th summer of Cotolo Chronicles. Could be. And is that because, of, well, I'm just trying to make myself a little louder because uh, drowning out my titanitis. Titanitis. Listen to that. A dirty pot. That's what they used to call it when it made squeaks. I have no idea. <laughs> that what is it? It's a uh, uh, hold on, stereo input. Forgot the name of that mixer. In any event, in all event, and certainly in this event, my name is Frank Cattolo, the man whose name adjoins the title of the show, and we are here as April and spring bud and blossom, blossom and bud and everything else, and. We want to remind you a few things. Number one, remind you, not to remind you, I had the pleasure talking to a good friend this week who has been on this show many times over the years and who came on the last time he was on this show to tell us the horrifying story of his, uh, of a stroke which disabled him for a while. Uh, and I hadn't talked to him a while since then. He was laying low, recuperating, and uh, uh, the name, of course, is Dusty Nathan, who every time, this time of the year, every time, for many years, this time of year, would come onto this show and talk about the Kentucky Derby, the upcoming Kentucky Derby at that time. And people who don't even care about horse racing or anything do look at giant sports events like the Kentucky Derby. It's a it's a, a race, it's a horse race, like a two-minute horse race that uh, I guess it's the, they call it the most exciting two minutes in sports because nothing happens in two minutes. Uh, even in baseball, when they attach special rules for hitting and the time it takes to hit and pitch and run and make bases bigger. There's always, anyway, back to Dusty. He sounded great. He is recuperating at our age and he's around my age. Uh, we are, uh, well, maybe still younger. We are, you know, uh, recuperating as, as quickly as people of our ages can. Uh, but he said, you know what? I had asked him earlier this year, and maybe even last year, I said, you want, you want to, why don't you come back and be on the show? And we'll do a Kentucky Derby thing. You don't have to be on for two hours. Hell, I'm not even on for two hours anymore. Most of the time, but, and um, I had to respect 
his need for uh, uh, privacy and whatever else he felt that he didn't want to do it or couldn't or wasn't up to it, his decision. I can't force him. What am I going to do? Right? I'll sue him. That's what everybody, everybody sues. Now, I'll sue you for what you can't do anyway. Uh, but he will. I talked to him this week. Talk to him. Not just emailing or whatever. And on May 4th, which is the Thursday before the first Saturday in May, which is the day of the Kentucky Derby, Dusty Nathan, longtime journalist for, in Philadelphia, radio guy, old radio guy. I mean, old radio guy. Not that he's old, but of course it would be old too. And back when radio meant something and did something other than, uh, you know, were you uh, function as Melba Toast for old, angry people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, what an audience. You know, I'm, I'm kind of glad. You know, a lot of those people that are uh, strongly related to the American right wing in the uh, this decade, and have been around, of course, for a long time anyway, but uh, they come from my generation, the Woodstock generation, however you want to label people, war babies born in the 50s, and of course blossoming in the 60s and going through the great culture changes, pop culture changes, and social culture changes. And uh, I've done many shows about how I don't like them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't identify with them past the, the great and failed uh, revolution of love and what have you. Okay. Um, if you want to know more about that, you should read uh, the, uh, you should read the White Album. And, and the name is escaped. How could this, Joan Didion, of course, that's it. That didn't go anywhere. Joan Didion's White Album book about that. Hey, I have my coffee. This is one of my beverages. Beverages. Here we go. I drink it like my father drank it, noisily. Is that a word? Noisily? Noisy. Noisy. Oh, the words of things. Oh, I got to mention something with that. Where's that? Uh, I have it right here. Okay. Right after that. But I'm kind of glad that I'm not uh, complicit with where my generation went and as it became older, as it became a compendium of older people whose dreams have been shattered and brought to their knees, I'm happy not to be complicit with them about their views in this world. And uh, now that uh, Gen Z is becoming a strong force for social change and for freedom, individual freedom, and all that stuff that people just like to say are uh, that the right, that the people from that generation, I say that, from my generation, are saying uh, bad things about, are, uh, I don't like them. I just don't, I'm not, I'm not with them. I like the Gen Zs, the Gen Xs, and even the Millennials. Okay. And I've been here as each one of those generations appeared on the face of the earth because this show began when the century turned to gold, <laughs> no, to whatever. 
Oh, here's what I want to say. Speaking of speaking of speaking, speaking of language and all the things that I scream about. I scream. I don't scream. But all the things, all the I'm, I'm the I'm persnickety things that I, bothers me about how people speak and how they talk and what's happening to journalism and what you read and whatever papers or the memoir papers or their paper. Hey, the other day on the way out. From the grocery store, I look at, I look at the, um, I don't know what you call it. It's just a shelf that has newspapers, little, little newspapers. And it is a Washington Post. Oh, yeah, it's a Washington Post. You know, it's like, hey, one of these days, maybe just for the sake of feeling it, uh, a newspaper, for feeling it, turning the page, uh, looking at the different columns. You know, I was a journalist too, and I was in publishing, and I knew a lot about that stuff and uh, the spacing, the things, the column, the pictures, the black and white, all that beautiful stuff that was once the art of the newspaper. Here's the Wall Street Journal. Look at that, and then I saw it. Five dollars. You know, that's not inflation. That's the Hallelujah Trail at work. As, the, as you walk along the Hallelujah Trail, as we've said on many shows and explained to those of you who did not know what we were referring to at the time, is what the digital revolution has done to institutional things, <laughs> institutional mounds. Yeah, what it's done to people, places, and things. And as you walk farther, up, out, into the lengths, an ever-growing route that is the Hallelujah Trail, what you leave behind you are, you know, it's uh, stuff on the tracks. The stuff on the tracks isn't just blood, it's not just people, it's not just the past. It's institutions crumbling, uh, you know. And now, as you might have heard when, if you listen to the artificial intelligence show I did with Tom Savino, we we got some wild things to think about when it comes to AI and all the stuff that's going on now. <laughs> and it's not. It is not. I heard just crazy waves. Maybe it was like sound waves. Who knows what's going on? Who knows what's going on? That's another thing. And there's a lot. There's a lot that can be happening with artificial intelligence. And I, uh, uh, even before there was such a thing, and it was labeled the, that thing, I knew people, places, and things. I knew nouns generated by artificial intelligence, and I think you did as well. But in any event, in all events, and certainly this event, as I was saying, the annoying language changes going on that I have been talking about for years because they've been around for years, decades. But now it's getting even worse as far as I can see. Nothing I could do about it other than speak well and try to be clear in my speech and in my writing. But the other night, and this this owns itself to my I don't want to say campaign, but certainly my opinion of uh, using the term legend 
loosely and how it was a word that had a strong base, a powerful middle, <laughs> and a delicious top <laughs> at one time, and how it has been spread out to, as an adjective for, for people, places, and things, an adjective to every possible noun, and taking into its definition some outrageous Anyway, listen to this. And this, I loved this, and I wish I, I wish I had some kind of connection to Jimmy Kimmel, to to I still can get a hold of a lot of people, but Jimmy Kimmel's not one of them. Jimmy Kimmel had on his show someone from a generation before me who was who was popular. See, you know what happened? Did you hear that? Yeah, the the the. The very alarm almost went off. That's one of the words I don't want to use. The very. Someone who was enormously popular in the TV age of uh, of the 80s, uh, certainly when I was involved, even before I went to Hollywood. Uh, she is uh, 90. Her name is Carol Burnett. I don't know who out there may remember her, but you can, of course, look up, look up Carol Burnett on any search engine, and, of course, on YouTube. There's shows that she did, television shows that she did that everyone watched, extremely popular. And uh, that, that, that. Uh, and she was in movies and uh, on plays or whatever. He has her on, and he's talking about this, her career, and he's talking about this party they're having for her. I don't know if it's not just a party or it's, a, it's also a television special or it's, I don't know, something like that. Um, celebrating her 90 years on Earth, many of which, I think almost 60 or uh, maybe 70, have to do with being in show business. Okay, and Jimmy Kimmel said to Carol Burnett, you know, you know, if I, he, she didn't say that. What, what I mean is I, I didn't go looking for the clip. It's probably there somewhere on YouTube or on abc.com, or wherever else they throw, they throw these things. But you know you can get almost anything. So I'll just tell you. He says to Carol Brown, he says, he says, what is it like uh, when uh, you know people call you a legend? He says, uh, do you like that? And she says, no, I don't like it. Okay, that's not the point. Here's the point. Jimmy Kimmel says, well, he says, I, I don't know why they say it. You're, you're not a legend because a legend isn't real and you're real. You're right here in front of me talking to me. Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> okay. Uh, all the writers on the Seth Meyers uh, late night and uh, certainly Jimmy Fallon. And I have no doubt, even though I don't watch him a lot, Stephen Colbert and everybody else will call just about anybody they have on the show, a legend. I I don't know what their requisite or prerequisite is to be able to do it, or just to say, as opposed to saying uh, this is an iconic person, everyone knows them and loves them and they've been around a long time, or they're not around a long time, but they certainly have a big audience, as big an audience as any blah, 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 but no. Instead, it's legend, legendary, legend, legendary. And now the... Uh, the definition has trickled from what Jimmy said was right. 
you know, it's like, you know, like, I mean, if he had Davy Crockett on, and 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 I guess he could have an artificial intelligence Davy Crockett on, and he and he said, uh, "What's it like to be a legend?" A Davy Crockett would not respond unless he was artificially inseminated. Did I say that AI artificial insemination was the other thing? No, there's no such thing, right? <laughs> but anyway, let's get back and let's applaud Jimmy Kimmel for saying that. To Carol Burnett, let's applaud Carol Burnett for saying, I don't like it, don't call me a legend. Because it's an insult. She is alive. Even when she dies, she will not be a legend. She, she would have been real and existed. She's not Hercules. She's not, she's not Cinderella. Uh, she's not, these are legends. These are never walked the face of the earth. And it should be used like that. Plenty of things to call people uh, that, you, that, that the public considers great or, you know, or popular, but not that. But that's not the point. I'm not going to make the argument again. I'm saying that Jimmy Kimmel said the right thing. He said, you're not a legend. A legend isn't real. And here you are in front of me. God bless you, Jimmy Kimmel, for helping me, without even knowing it, being on my side because, boy, do people get mad at me. And, you know, people get mad when they think you're criticizing them in the way that you're correcting them. People don't like to be corrected because when you correct somebody, when you, if someone says, uh, you know, oh, Jimmy... Jimi Hendrix, the legendary Jimi Hendrix, not a legendary Jimi Hendrix, not a legend, he's real, he was there. We all saw him, we knew. And we're, you, know, it's, it's like, you know, they get mad because it's like, what are you saying? You're saying that I'm stupid? <laughs> you know, this may be the, the core of what's wrong with humankind. And I'm not talking about just these, this decade, this, the, after the millennium, I'm talking about before that. And when, again, I will talk about how many of us, one in 200, I hear, on the face of the earth are related to Genghis Khan, I'm going to hear unbelievable things from people that are just, you know, just like, how dare you? Because I did. When I talked about it years ago on the show, based on a... Um, I don't know if it was a book or somebody who just did some kind of a research on it because now that remember DNA is available. Imagine how many murderers would have been caught in all that time, but it didn't happen. And, you know, and that's like saying, you know, that that's that's not having any have not having that saying something like that is not having any respect for the progress of mankind because Right? Boy, if they had DNA in the Jack the Ripper days, all those prostitutes would have been saved. Well, you, number one, you don't know that. <laughs> no, they would have found out who, who who was this guy. Okay? that It's not that. It's like, well, it wasn't. There was no DNA uh, proof of anything. They didn't know it. They didn't use it. They couldn't do that. Eventually, they did. So don't blame them for not having understood 
and used, utilized, created the DNA system of finding criminals, of identifying people. Don't blame that. That happened. Yeah, right? And, and, but people throughout the years, the decades, the eons, just don't think it through. But that's not this show. Thank you, Jimmy Kimmel, again for that. Dusty Nathan will be here on the 4th of May. All things being equal now. Okay, man is recuperating. He's, uh, and uh, I think he, he sounds great. And he didn't make, you know, you, you think about people with, who've had strokes and, you know, how it's affected them and uh, how they they speak differently or what have you. And I'm talking for an hour. On the phone, I told them, I said, you know, if, if I didn't know you had a stroke and it never told me you had a stroke, I would say, you don't sound much different. You don't sound different at all. And you don't expect people to have, you know, slurred speech or moments of, you know, because it doesn't always happen. Oh, crap. <laughs> it came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. He said to himself, hold on, I got a towel here. Can we get this over here? Okay. Let's go to, uh, let's go to this thing now. I have here on my desk. And uh, here's something that, you know, you know when you go to stores, maybe not just stores, well, stores, restaurants, franchises, and they have a, franchises, of course, uh, can be anywhere. You can have a Piggly Wiggly in Alabama, and, and someone can open a Piggly Wiggly in Texas, and, uh, you know, Piggly Wiggly's all over the place. But, uh, and and I'll, I'll give you the perfect example. I did a show here uh, a when I came home from Kentucky, and I think it was 2016 or something, uh, when I went to the Kentucky Derby, and uh, and we noticed any number of local uh, nouns, <laughs> nouns. Uh, local uh, things attached to uh, popular things, in uh, but but you know locally. I guess I brought up bunny bread. It's one of the white bread called bunny bread, which you just get. And you know, I don't know, they just get it in Louisville or around Kentucky and most of Kentucky. You don't get Louis. You don't get bunny bread. Didn't grow up. I don't know bunny bread. So we talked about Cracker Barrel, the Cracker Barrel franchise, which is adorned with objects, knickknacks, stuff hanging from the walls, American. Antiques, uh, signs, knickknacks, as I said, and you know, metal commercial uh, plaques and things like that. And it wasn't until I was in the Kentucky Cracker Barrel that it dawned on me that uh, there, uh, it was adorned with local memorabilia. And that wherever you go, there's local memorabilia uh, everywhere in the Cracker Barrels. It's local stuff. It has to do with wherever you're eating. So it makes it, a, it gives it a cultural spin. And it, but in any kind of uh, franchises that appear in different places, 
uh, something that will be specific to that area is a bulletin board. Uh, They may have it in a vestibule or close to somewhere where you leave or, you know, it won't be prominent, but it'll be there. And I always look for what people pin on there. And anybody can pin something. You got a business card, you got a little ad, and they don't charge you. They're they're nice about it. They just... So there's this one, you know, one edge and one little, uh, you know, people looking for work. Uh, I'll mow your lawn, I'll fix your tractor, you know, whatever. And uh, various things. I found this to be fascinating and I took it. I, I wish we had some, I, I guess I could do, I, well, I'm going to find out about this. I'm not going to do this over the air because I have a feeling I know what, what, what it relates to. It's a business card. And I picked it up. There's only one, uh, which is odd, because, you know, business cards, people can put up a little case there. <laughs> you want to take one? Or they put a bunch of them. You can do that. Yeah, they don't care. The establishment doesn't care. This, But I picked this. I said, what is this? It's a card, uh, and uh, uh, it says in a large, dark print, The Answer Man. That's all it says. The, it's not all it says. I'll read you the rest. It says... The Answer Man it has a, a telephone number. I'm going to give you the telephone number, too, if you want to call and find out for yourself. But don't do it, in, at least until I finish speaking, so that you get, you know, you might not want to after I tell you what I think is going on. Uh, the, the telephone number is 610-636-8635. Again, 610-636-8635. Three five. You want that backwards? No. Okay. And then underneath that telephone number, it reads, and and this is something. I, I, this is a lost leader. No matter your situation, problem, or circumstance, there is always an answer. Uh, duh. First of all, there isn't. <laughs> Hello? And they're like, there isn't. But they're saying they have one. That led me to believe there's an ideology going on here. Now, in small, smaller print, in the left-hand corner, it says a Uber partner. A Uber partner. Uh, so somehow you're connected to uh, the Uber uh, corporate, to, to drivers, to... Uh, of to the driving thing that is Uber? I don't know. Then they turn it over. There's writing on the back. Aha! The mystery unfolds. And here it goes. On the top, it reads, When there is nowhere to turn and nothing but fear, now the answers you seek are finally here. <laughs> wow. If you're frightened, that's you want to realize what that's saying. That's saying if you're scared, if you're nervous, if you're having anxiety attacks because you feel like you've lost control. You feel like you're you're being squeezed from every angle, from institutions and people and politicians and culture. Then I think it gives it away. Although I don't know the exact association. On the bottom of that, it says, God will only give you what you can handle. 
with his help. <laughs> I don't know about you, but now I think I know that it's some kind of uh, organization. I think it's a right-wing organization, too. I'll tell you why. Because the, the front that I spoke, the face of the business card, and, and this is like, we're going to give you the business, all right, uh, is imprinted over a, a parts of an American flag. So I, I, now I am going to find out what's going on here. If I can record it, I will record it and play it for you, or I will tell you about it, but not today. <laughs> I'll t not today. Not on this show. The Answer Man. Isn't it odd? It's the answer man. I, this is just, ew, this, isn't, this is just asking to be revealed. In one sense, good promotion. They've done a good thing. They don't say anything. Who are they? What do they want from you? Eh, nothing. What they're saying is, you know, what do we want from, and that's, that's clever. They're not saying, what do you want from me? It's not saying that. It's saying we don't, it's saying we got what you want. Oh. And there's a lot of people who not only will look into this and call this number, which happens to be 610-636-8635, but, you know, if anyone knows the identity of the answer man and maybe somewhere in your town, village, hamlet, from Icecap to Icecap, from Mammoth to City, if you're uh, from Othello or in any one of the uh, bordellos, you know the identity of the answer man, then uh, please write to me, epcatolo at yahoo.com. And there. You know, also I want to advise anybody out there who has a Yahoo mail account that they have not used in a long time, Yahoo is going to be purging any and all accounts that have been left uh, to uh, float amid the ocean of the internet for years or whatever. I know that because they they got me. They they wrote to me and they said, "Do you want you know sign into this? Uh, you never go here anymore." So I'm going to let you know that. But of course, if you have it, you probably heard from them. So what do I have to tell you? Maybe you threw it out. Maybe it went into your spam folder. Your spam folder. Oh, okay, so that's uh, something else we have to look into. And uh, I'll slip off the... Uh, uh, the uh, slip off. I'll put... I'm going to take a drink of coffee here. I'll, ooh. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to play some sounds for you. And you tell me what these sounds bring to mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's a... Whoa. Yikes. <laughs> Whoa, man. They have names. These, these. Suction. Takeoff. Scratch. Climbing fast. Car 
Whoosh. Large object. Whistle blast. Trampoline. Jump and fly. <laughs> they are funny. I don't know why. Are they funny? Okay. <laughs> Laugh out of breath. You know why they're funny? They're funny because they, when we hear them, that we related to uh, the images that come to mind, of course, are cartoons. And I don't know, even if I didn't, had, if I hadn't spent 40 minutes with the other topics and the things I was talking about, even if I had, if I had about three hours left, and I got news to you, I could sit here for three hours and talk about cartoons and stay on the air. Nobody's going to stop me. But I'm not going to do that. I am going to. <laughs> now, come on. Don't, if, when I play these, you don't laugh. I just, I'll say nothing. See if you can hold in your laughter. Go ahead. Can you? Hey. hey. Yeah. Can you? You can't. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm I'm honestly laughing. You hear those things all the time. Of course, it's because of cartoons. I'm not here to uh, do a uh, speech on the history of cartoons, but the influence of cartoons and the inner workings of cartoons have always driven me crazy in a certain way and have greatly influenced and I think greatly influenced you, youths. Did you say youths? Youths. Youths, yeah. <laughs> Said Joe Pesky's character in uh, I Want a Blue Chevy or whatever it was called. Youths. Yeah. And then, uh, because this week... A great cartoonist, Al Jaffe, from Mad Magazine, which, of course, uh, you want to know what Mad Magazine is? It's only in special editions that somebody puts out. It's down. You want, you're going to have to go. You can't go back on the Hallelujah Trail, but it's down there. We passed it. It's now defunct. Imagine that. Mad Magazine. There was a time. Who thought Mad Magazine would go out of print? Anyway, Mad Magazine... Uh, was a car filled with cartoons. There was no humans. And a man named Al Jaffe, who had been with them forever and ever. And I remember as a kid, uh, it was 81, and uh, he may he rest in peace. He, and he also did those famous Mad Magazine fold-out things in the back. Uh, clever. All I can use is the word clever. I can't use you-know-what word, and I won't. Uh, so Mad Magazine, Al Jaffe. And that reminded me of just about every cartoon. Plus, plus, I'll tell you the other thing. I was watching uh, Turner Classic Network. It's, it's TCM. It's Turner Classic Movies. There were so many T's in there and, uh, and different, right? There's TNT, it's not, and TCM and T. Buster. Uh, and, of course, they're doing a 100-year uh anniversary of their parent company MGM was also owned by someone else and also owned by someone you know some huge corporate thing uh, Ted Turner's original station that plays uh, a great logo what is it uh, what's then where then meets now yeah that's good and and it's a great channel for refurbished movies and they uh, uh, okay and they make sure history doesn't destroyed movies, making sure that the Hallelujah Trail, although those are remnants, movies are remnants of the times, and they record 
pop culture of the times, uh, they're back there in the Hallelujah Trail, okay? <laughs> they've, they've morphed into uh, so many different things in different forms, blah, 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 and technology, of course, and on the Hallelujah Trail. Okay, well, I was watching it, and because they're, uh, uh, they're uh, celebrating Warner Brothers, they're celebrating the Looney Tunes, I, I saw my favorite all-time character, Bugs Bunny, who I got to tell you, and I think this should come out in therapy or anybody who's out there, uh, the cartoons and the characters and the attitudes uh, of those characters and personalities, as you watch and as you are into those characters, whenever you're an, an influenced Bugs Bunny, influenced me as a character, as a iconoclast, right? as a rebel, as a, he, and as a bunny who you know what likes to do a lot and what is known for, okay, has been as influential to me as Henry Miller as a writer, uh, W. Somerset Maugham as a writer, Journalists, uh, I can name journalists, and I just forgot the guy, <laughs> the New York guy, uh, Brooklyn people. Okay, you know, um, and Joan Didion, and yeah, and you know, and Bugs Bunny. When I was younger, Bugs Bunny stood out, and I think when you are younger, and you got that kind of thing going, uh, there are pieces of. Philosophy, ideology, uh, understanding, personality that stick with you. So I watch it. I said, here's this book, Bunny, you know, and, and when I was doing a list of topics, show topics, I said, you know, I should do a, a cartoon, show on cartoons. And as I said, there's no way, even though I might lean towards one type or what have you, and you might lean, you know, and, and we have generations of different cartoons and how the cartoon itself has changed and uh, has gone with and is still going along the Hallelujah Trail, leaving parts of itself behind, but I don't think you're ever going to, no, you're never going to just destroy this thing entirely. This thing called the cartoon uh its definition, are you ready? Because I have it right here. <laughs> just got to find it because I just, I, because I do things as, as, as they go along here. But I didn't know about that. Let's look at cartoon. In our special dictionary, I say special because it's from 1960. Card, card, card me, cartoon. Let's see what it says about cartoon. It says Cartesian. No, cartel, carte blanche, here, cartoon, ready? Here he goes. A satirical or funny, now remember, sat satire and funny, two different things. Huh? A satirical or funny drawing of a public person or event intended to mold public opinion. To draw cartoons, use as subject of an of a cartoon. Now it's fascinating 
to that in the de- the definition of cartoon is a uh, a social message. I mean, a cartoon. If you cartoon someone, you are manipulating the being as an opinion. So, well, listen. Now think about this for a second. Satirical, it says satirical or funny, and and probably since satire is a form of humor, I guess it could fit. But think about this, or just pass it to on to someone else. Uh, a drawing, so it's not real. It's obviously a drawing. Whether you, how you draw it is another story, if not the only story that uh, pertains to drawing of a person or event. Right? Intended to mold popular opinion. Cartoon. Intended to mold popular opinion. Whoa. Whoa. That, that one blows me away. Intended. So, intended to mold popular opinion. So, we have an opinion. Maybe it would, an opinion of a bunny. Bugs Bunny? Think about this. Are, so bunnies are known for this, that, and the other thing, but there's one of them who's crazy. So we're going to tell you that this character is mimicking. Is it a mimic? No. This character represents what you... We want you to remember public opinion. Don't think of a bunny as a little cuddly thing. The darn thing is nuts. <laughs> He's bugs. Of course, he's bugs because they needed an alliteration. Bugs Bunny. Bugs. Because people used to use that term. I'm sure it is not socially affected anymore. Affected? Accepted. He's bugs. That guy's bugs. That's what he used to say. Bugs. He's bugs. Why? He's buggy. He's bugs. If you looked up bugs. And that's an odd thing to call someone because bugs are a noun. (laughs) Because bugs are something else. Unless you talk to... What's his name? <laughs> the uh, gangster guy. Bugs, Bugs, Bugsy, 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 Bumpley. Bugs. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't go there. Bugs. For some reason or another, Bugs found its way to be a, a word that they call crazy people. So here's Bugs Bunny. And he's a bunny. So he's, uh, and who is Bugs Bunny modeled after? I don't know. So the satire may go Way deeper. I don't know the history of Bugs Bunny. That could be a show in itself. And boy, I'd love to do it, but I'm not going to do the research. I don't want to. <laughs> okay? But who am I? I'm Frank Catolo, the man whose name adjoins the title of the show. You're listening to Catolo Chronicles. And apparently, we're not going to get very far in the cartoon theme. Maybe we'll do it again, part two, next week. Cartoon part two. Why not? Bugs Bunny becomes a character for Warner Brothers because they're making cartoons and they're making uh, 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 movies and shorts because, you know, uh, a movie company in those days did all the things that TV did once TV came around. You know, there wasn't a room for these these little shorts, these short films and these... Funny little things they do. Uh, There are cartoons, although remember the cartoon as a brief and wacky and wild 
public opinion maker. <laughs> that that's weird. I I never heard that uh, you know intended to be. And maybe that's because uh, cartoons, before they moved around, of course, they were just written, drawn things. So let's not look at it as a cartoon being just uh, like a Bugs Bunny. It's got music. It's got color. It's got people, not people, it's got animals, personified uh, um, uh, figures of the time turned into animals, right? All that stuff. Uh, And because they did that, especially in Looney Tunes. Okay, uh, popular figures from the time were turned into animals, uh, animal creatures. And, uh, but I don't know if they intended to do popular, popular opinion. But of course, this definition is going back to the origin, I'm sure, which is newspapers, where cartoons, uh, or political cartoons, you know, they still exist, of course, they do. Polit- political cartoons, uh, public opinion, right? I would say, well, yeah, okay, you got it. Um, Certainly satire, like when I talk about Mad Magazine, that was just off the, uh, it was the bonkers. And look, Mad, right? Mad. Mad Monkey is the same. So like, if you call the uh, character Mad Monkey, it'd be like calling the bunny bugs. But this is going back, of course, when there wasn't TV, and uh, even though uh, Bugs Bunny eventually got his own television show. That's correct. And then uh, when television came about, there were cartoon characters that did not uh, have movie shorts. Or they were only TV characters. And, uh, and then there were spin-offs of cartoons. Now, when you... Who, wherever you're listening... who. Well, you're listening now. It's your time. It's now. What else could you listen? You're listening now. Of course, you go to Juice Talk. You can hear these things. And you listen to other stations where you can hear this show, too. So you can listen then. But uh, what I'm trying to say is when you grow up, uh, you're more likely to watch cartoons uh, from the age of uh, young, of the age of young to, you know, a teenager. Although, you know, now there's such a thing as adult cartoons, and that's been going on for a while. That's why we have Adult Swim, a, an entire a channel, which doesn't just have cartoons, but does provide, produce, and uh, deliver entertainment in cartoon form for adults. And it is filled with satire, public opinion. Uh, I'm changing. It's political, everything. It just, you know, uh, cartoons are just open to anything. And they live to do, and they live as they're animated to defy the laws that we, as human beings, follow. And I don't mean laws past political laws and laws of, of a culture. I'm talking about laws like the law of gravity, right? You know, those laws, the laws of human behavior, which are, uh, you know, and there are some that are illegal and what have you. But, uh, but Bugs Bunny was, was one that I always, even before I stepped out into the world and became a, a figure of society, uh, in, you know, intact. Uh, I I loved uh, him, and and throughout Bugs Bunny, and in those days certainly, uh, when cartoons were that kind of off the wall entertainment, all you heard was 
things. <laughs> like this. <laughs> As, see? <laughs> oh, man. Now, I let's talk about some of these sounds. Fall crash. A gun and a rocket, right? Wet fish, what's that all about? Uh, where is it, more? A jump, who jumps in that set? A skid, car horn, a, a <laughs> that bounce. You're gonna tell me that's not funny? This bounce? <laughs> you could over, you, there's, no, there's no time at all. In human life, there's no circumstance in human life where you can play this sound and not laugh. That's <laughs> just too funny. Hiccup. See how it's exaggerated? Cartoons are exaggerated. <laughs> Snorting laughter. You know people who do that, don't you? Yeah, I know you do. Wobble bounce. Hey, how about the wobble bounce? Where was that? <laughs> Me a wobble bounce. No. Wobble. Where is it? Where is it? There it is. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I'm laughing, man. That's funny. That sound. Oh, skip. Now that's a real sound. It's a ship horn. But a ship horn, if you're an actual ship horn, it, it, it's still different. It's just exaggerated. Yeah, right. I know. Wow, that's nuts. Nobody, nobody falls. <laughs> wait. Wait. Wait, here. This, this one here, right? Where is it? Um, let me get it again. Here. here. Who falls? You know, and falls are. This will this will take us to my next point. Who falls? And here's this. Not that. That's a ship. This. Oops. It's like if you have a, a drummer in your house who just just sets up the drums and stays there. You feed the drummer, you uh, you make you let the drummer take a bath or do whatever it is, and you keep the drum, you pay the drummer to be there so that if you happen to stumble or fall, the drummer is there to do this. Ah, oh, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. My name is Frank Cattolo, a man whose name joins the title of the show. That's the first hour of, of uh, Cattolo Chronicles. And for the next half hour, at least, I'm going to continue talking about cartoons. In the meantime, uh, get on over to uh, all the places you could buy books online, all the digital places. Last week we had uh, Barbara Sternig on talking about Romangst, a short novel that is a one-nighter. <laughs> <As, laughs> I'm not going to say that. The one-nighter, uh, which 
she's now promoting herself a journalist and over there also are other books from people associated with this show little Michael B. Butler and uh, that uh, was on a couple of weeks ago about the uh, I forgot the name of the guy the serial killer book so look with Michael B. Butler, and I'm, and I'm amazed that I remember that name. Who else do we have? Uh, any number of people over there. Uh, b- 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 me, of course. Let's not forget me. I'm not just at uh, Amazon. I'm also on Blurb, and I'm on Lulu. And uh, you could get digital books. Some of them are cartoon-like. Certainly the, the most prose I've ever written that comes off cartoonish is, of course, License to Skill. Now, if you have these sound effects and you read my book, License to Skill, you're going to have fun because uh, it's a story. It's a long story. It's a good, funny story. And there are much, there's much of this. There's a lot of that in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of this going on. You are in that book. Oh my God! I hit my head. Oh, A lot of that stuff going on. There's also books by the artist D, who of course has been on this show many times. Uh, who we introduced. We introduced uh, was on the internet at the time, years and years and years ago. And uh, um, who else? Got everyone from. Uh, Who's there? Who? Anyone who's been on this show? You go to CatoloChronicles.blogspot.com. Find out what we've done in the past by scrolling to the left of the column of the years of shows. Many are not available anymore, but uh, you'll see the topics as they were originally broadcast on the blogs. We had a blog. We still have a blog. And that's how you could find out what the hell's going on here. Although it was, uh, uh, it was used a lot more in those days, but it, you know, times were different. And they continue to be different. So the books that you can go and buy uh, out there, go get them. They're, uh, uh, you know, Sternig's book is not, I don't think it's expensive as a uh, uh, analog, I mean, you know, actual book. Actual book? They're all actual books. But anyway, of course, we know the digital books are cheaper, so go get them all, and that's the commercial for the books. <laughs> so, And what I mean is if you go back, uh, in the, if you go to katolachronicles.blogspot.com and you scroll through that list of years and then you go to the page that tells you what we were talking about, who was on the show, whatever, you'll see that uh, a lot of those people have books probably still available out there. And you might want to read them because they're good, and some of them maybe not that good. Uh, but even the crazy guru guy, what was he? The, what was his name? Ooh, uh, guru, I don't know. I think we even <laughs> uh, played, replayed one of his shows. We haven't replayed a lot of shows, but we do have some, and we're going to, and we're going to take care of updating the uh, 
the uh, the archive. So we've had some uh, problems with that, which were beyond our control. But you know what? The world moved on, <laughs> and, it, and they'll just be fresh when you go and get them, because I don't know what is timely about this show. Even through the years, we've never done anything that is so now that it cannot be uh, listened to now, even if it was 10, 15 years ago. Uh, so you can, and you should, and you will, if I, if I look into my eyes. Oh, it got quiet. Why? Because the boiler stopped boiling. <laughs> my name's Frank Tolman, and this is show. And we're talking about cartoons, and all I mentioned was uh, Bugs Bunny. But of course, uh, there were others, and there were, you know, there were girl cartoons from the very beginning. There were cartoons before there was sound movies. There were cartoons, and um, there was Betty Boop, Betty Boop. Okay, uh, the girl with the big head. She was not a. She was just a character. She wasn't a an animal made into a character like Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck. There's another one. Well, he's Daffy, he's Daffy, he's Bugs, all these things that they call people who were mentally challenged. But they weren't all mentally challenged. You see, that's the thing. There are people who are just crazy and considered crazy. Certainly, I'm one of them. All right? I don't take offense to calling me this or the other thing. And then there are ones like uh, Popeye, who, of course, began as a commercial figure. Here's a, a sailor, and obviously, and, you know, let's not get into anything that is associated with any kind of realism associated with this, because uh, it's cartoon land. Popeye, a sailor, which does not mean he was in the Navy, of any Navy for any country. He's just a sailor. He's a guy who sails. And he has swollen, <laughs> there are muscles, his swollen arms and swollen legs. And his face looks like it's, uh, his grandfather, Gramps, so his Gramps, Popeye Gramps, or Peepie, Poopie, whatever his name was. Uh, he has his father or his grandfather as a, as a part of the Popeye family. Popeye doesn't have a last name. Okay, all the things that are actually going on in life, with, have, as I said, they're not paying attention. There are no laws of human laws uh, in terms culturally or anything like that. So Popeye was created because kids hated spinach. It was a thing that... Uh, that went on back in those days that was help hurting uh, the uh, vegetable, vegetable industry, <laughs> the vegetable industry. And uh, so they created a character who was uh, a good look. No, he wasn't good looking. There's nothing good looking about Popeye. Popeye, <laughs> I guess because of his eye. I don't know where the name came from, okay? I don't know the history of some of these things, the origins. I don't know them. I just know and, and, and I'm connected uh, growing up with these characters, okay? And things they did, they said, or what have you. But anyway, Popeye was created by some advertising agency uh, to, that uh, if this uh, character, a human, he wasn't an animal, he was just a human who looked like an animal in certain ways, but anyway, weird-looking human. He, Popeye, 
uh, would, okay, Popeye would get into problems uh, with uh, someone uh, uh, with uh, female problems because uh, olive oil was uh, a girl he was always after, a woman, whoever. We have no idea about ages of cartoon characters. They didn't age. They would get, they came on it. If they were old people, they came on. They were old people. They stayed old people. They're young, they'd be young. Okay, but uh, they created Popeye, and the idea was this, Popeye would be, uh, get into a pickle, uh, get into some problem he couldn't physically control. So what he'd have to do is eat spinach. And the spinach would make him big and strong and be able to control and win whatever combat situation he, had, he was in at the time. He was threatened, that threatened him. Uh, so Popeye... Uh, was telling kids who watched them, hey, if you eat your spinach, you'll grow big and strong, which of course was something they used to tell kids without Popeye. They used to say, you know, if you eat your, eat your spinach, so you'll grow big and strong. But I got to tell you, I was a kid and I, and I didn't like the stuff. I can eat it now because the way they, they, they season it and what have you. But back then, it was just, you know, get a butter cube and I'm going to let it melt on top of it. And it was just this leaf. It was leafy because it was squishy crap. It was, and it didn't have much of a taste no matter what you put on it. So kids did not like spinach. And that became, uh, the spinach got such a bad press that uh, they created to sell this uh, vegetable. They created this character. Now, those of you who've not seen the series Mad Men, uh, which which uh, takes place inside of the uh, late 1950s, early 60s advertising world when it was big and when uh, things like, uh, when, when how a uh, advertisement was presented for a certain audience uh, and what, you know, the uh, iconic uh, figures, the metaphors, the symbolism they used so that it would... Uh, um, and they lied, of course, about that. Because when you ate spinach, it did not make you big and strong. Now, there were vitamins and minerals in spinach which certainly contributed to the fact that you'd be healthy. And if you're healthy, even people who are healthy aren't big and strong. But no, Popeye just says, now, the thing that always bothered me, even as a kid, and I would, uh, I would even as a child, I'd wonder... Uh, because when Popeye got into a problem and and it was looking like he was going to be beaten to a pulp, pulpeye, I guess he would become, even then, and we had, he had a can of spinach with him, <laughs> a can of spinach on him. So he carried it around, because every time on the cartoon, he took out this can, which, by the way, was always opened, which means it had, it was, uh, had ragged edges because it was a can, and it was spinach inside of it. It wasn't seasoned. It wasn't anything. It was spinach in a can. So you can imagine if spinach in a can made a person strong and able to beat up the guy next to him uh, who was trying to beat him up, you can imagine what it would like if it was cooked or was it pre-cooked and put in the can. I don't know, but how did he carry a can around? Is it hard enough that he could carry his own can? Thank you. <laughs> Meg, don't cry. Don't cry, you big baby. Don't. Hey. 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 Hey, lighten up. Oh, he lightened up quickly, didn't he? Okay. <laughs> that was a saw, by the way. <laughs> and, and you know, of course, in cartoons, <laughs> that's how quickly you could saw because 
Okay, so there's all that stuff, breaking uh, gravity and the general laws of physics. Uh, nothing to it in cartoons. So that was Popeye. And he, was, uh, he wasn't in the silent era, but that, was, uh, and that came about later on. Uh, now, in Looney Tunes, in, in the Bugs Bunny family, I mean, Warner Brothers, as I was watching, of course, they're showing cartoons just like they're show, only showing Warner Brothers movies uh, that, took, uh, that were made over the 100 years. And, uh, and they're showing cartoons. So uh, I was watching uh, some of the, the, the family. The family said, so because uh, uh, Bugs Bunny became popular, they found a duck and made him Daffy Duck. And he had a speech impairment, impediment. And I have talked before about how uh, I grew up and uh, people around me could imitate Daffy, du Daffy Duck. A certain kind of way that he spoke. And I could never do that. I don't know how they did it, but there were so many kids I went to school with who got dead-on imitations of Daffy Duck. Semi, semi, that kind of stuff. I can never do it. They did it with their mouth, with and on the back of their mouths. I don't know. And uh, I couldn't do it. It couldn't go. Couldn't go near the correct uh, sound that was an imitation of the voice of Daffy Duck. But of course, anyways, there was Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. And then uh, you had a pig, and the pig had uh, talk about speech impediments. When you watch it now, you gotta wonder about the stammering uh, situation. Back then, the things that people laughed about uh, were not, or certainly not accepted today, because they were cruel, and you know, they were, and they and they're still cruel. Okay, but that's not to say that they are not still funny. They are, but when it's a pig. All right, uh, then, uh, you know, it's a little different. A pig with a stammer. And I don't know who created it or how it came about. We know that there was a guy named Mel Blank who was a, uh, who was most of the voices, most of all the voices of that, of that Warner Brothers. Uh, he's everyone's voice. He was the duck and the thing. But when he came to the pig, they they what did they come that's nuts uh you know trying to come up with a name for the pig it wasn't like uh you know uh what would be a p word for crazy you know nutty i don't know, you know no instead because he was a pig and it was they made him short and fat and just called him porky because pigs come from pork but that would be like calling a horse horsey horse <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah, it would be like, uh, uh, right? No, maybe not so. Steak horse. Or, or like tolling a cow. If you had a cartoon cow, would you call him steaky, steaky cow? Uh, I don't know. Uh, ribeye? <laughs> ribeye. That's Popeye, not ribeye. <laughs> Do you hear what I said? <laughs> I know, right? There it goes. I know. I know what you're talking about. Okay, uh, so... Uh, um, there was that, and then there wasn't an, I don't know if there was an animal left and not cartoonized. <laughs> cartoonized? Where did I get that word from? No. Uh, represented uh, as a cartoon. Uh, the other, now, and this is odd, I want you to, what I want you to do here is un think about the cartoons that influenced you, the cartoon characters that influenced you. Okay, Bugs Bunny did and I've talked about this other thing uh, uh, many times, and I 
I think I know the psychological ramifications of my life, which we're not going to go into. But, okay, the other character were two characters. It was a team. They were magpies. I never knew what on earth a magpie looked like Oh, oh, where it came from in the uh, phylum of animals? It turns out to be birds. A magpie is a bird. And the magpies, who caught my attention and just kept with, stayed with me forever, were Heckle and Jekyll. Heckle and Jekyll. Were they brothers? I don't know. They were in the same family of uh, magpies. Who decided... A magpie would be a cartoon character. Their voices, one of them was British. <laughs> crazy, I'm telling you, one of them was always like, and you know, the other one was just crazy. Heckle and Jekyll worked together. And uh, it's a funny thing, too, because they were, a, they were a team. They were always together. They had songs in their cartoons. I, uh, I, I could watch them today and just love them to death even though many of the characteristics of cartoons were in this cartoon too. But Heckle and Jekyll were smart. They got away with things. They did things. They teamed up and took care of things together. What a team. <laughs> Thank you, Heckle and Jekyll. And still are. You can watch Heckle and Jekyll cartoons on YouTube. And God knows where else. could probably get a DVD or a streaming Heckle and Jekyll. But Heckle and Jekyll. There were times, and I, I know I, I, I'm going to have to go back in the archives as opposed to go forward in the archives. I'm going to have to look through the archives and see if we did a Heckle. I'm sure we did a Heckle and Jekyll show. And that alone, this is why I told you we can't, I can't just do a cartoon show and talk about all of it because I haven't even left my particular cartoon area uh, to go into, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the history as it moved along, the progress of cartoons in so many ways uh, to lead up to something like Avatar, which I don't care what you say, I don't care how much you like it or buy into the story or the drama of it, it's a cartoon, okay? Avatar is a cartoon. <laughs> These noises are these noises because this because the one characteristic of all cartoons that are humorous now because they're serious cartoons that's a whole that's another show altogether serious cartoons cartoons are have been and still are when they're breaking laws okay the slapstick of cartoons is an enormous cascade of violence. 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 That's where they break the laws. Uh, you know, there would not be Three Stooges were they not cartoons. The Three Stooges were the embodiment of cartoons in terms of how they broke the laws of physics and were able to pound each other's heads with large objects and tools. Uh, I mean, 
the I, I went I one day and I never did this. I haven't done this. But I'm gonna mark it down again too. One day I'm going to do a show. I would hope to have a friend of mine or two who is a doctor, uh, someone who is into medicine. Uh, or knows, not into medicine, I don't mean someone on drugs, I mean somebody who uh, can, uh, I'm going to just, just write down here, I want to make sure I write Three Stooges, who we, what we're going we to do is uh, look at a, any Three Stooge, Stooges uh, short and establish how they could not, none of these people, no less, you really, uh, that uh, they, they're breaking all the laws of, of, of all the human laws. As not as cartoons, but they are cartoons because they get away with breaking the human laws. But violence, violence, it's the Three Stooges episodes. Each one of them is one slap away from carnage. There's <laughs> no doubt about it. So I would like to have a doctor on or somebody who knows about physiology and, and, and watch and say, okay, here's, here's a large metal uh, frying pan that Larry is now going to get in the face. All right? And then we'll trace how much they actually would get hurt. What would be the injuries? of the Three Stooges, no less an episode, they wouldn't live through five minutes of an episode. That's the kind of stuff. So cartoons uh, are uh, larger-than-life uh, examples of, 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 of slapstick and of vaudevillian uh, nutness. Now, if you go back... Go back. You have to go back if you're able to watch uh, great comic. Well, how about the greatest, the greatest physical comedian of history, <laughs> movies? A fellow named Buster Keaton. If you don't know who was able to do the most outrageous stunts, in fact, during. Filming some of it, he broke his neck. He broke his this, even that. He done anything coming from, and he came from uh, a family, a vaudevillian family that did a lot of uh, slapstick. Uh, but he was doing amazing things, and he does them on film. No stuntmen, no doubles. That kind of comedy, so difficult for any human to do because it defies. It, because there's nothing but danger there. That's it. <laughs> break a leg, break an arm, break a neck, break a broken neck. Cartoons, no matter how far back you go, are going to have violence. Violence. And yet we laugh. And that's why we have these sounds. Because these these are violent sounds. Yeah, right. Whoa, oh, bomb, a bomb, right? Ha, funny. Think of Saw and oh, I fell down sawing and I my blade. I have a the kitchen. Your kitchen sound like look, huh? Kitchen craziness. Electrics. Elect. Here's a parade. Where? And it's a laser beam. Head hit. <laughs> 
That's called head shake. It's a vocal head shake. Let's hear that one again, okay? A vocal head shake. Here we go. No. There we go. That's head hit. Okay. <laughs> they got the head hit. Wait, no, wait, wait. Head hit. After the parade, we got what? The laser. Head hit. And then... <laughs> Oh, my God. Cartoons. Ah, oh. And if you go back, and uh, I keep saying go back. Just go look. These things are all available. You can watch cartoons on YouTube. You can watch cartoons on... Uh, but the different, the violence has come... To, I just want to give you this without, you know, history uh, of cartoons. Um, the... I forgot the name of it. There's death. It was, uh, it, it's done with 3DM animation, which itself is, you know, uh, dying art. Uh, and it's the death match where the uh, clay-like figure, animated figures uh, wrestle and destroy each other's bodies. I mean, and there's blood, there's gore. One thing about the uh, cartoon violence in, when they were animals in those days of Looney Tunes and Terry Tunes and uh, uh, all sorts of tunes, is that uh, if a guy got hit on the head like that, and he's like, la, 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 you'd be okay right away. All right, he'd be all right. And once in a while, a bang on the head, and the cartoon would physically show a, a bump growing, a bump growing out of it till it was like, uh, you know, like look like a tree. You know, these sounds. They make you laugh. They make me laugh. I don't know, and and uh, uh, but the difference between the violence in a uh, in a Bugs Bunny, let's say Heckle and Jekyll. I think they were, I think Heckle and Jekyll were uh, violent to an extreme base by comparison to maybe Bugs Bunny, who did some wacky things to people. But the people he did it to, like like you know, like Porky Pig and various, but he would outsmart anyone. Okay, but uh, the difference, the not the difference, but the scope of violence changes from that to moving ahead and going to Adult Swim and watching a cartoon, which is a 3D cartoon because it's animated. Okay, but it's still animated and they're still not really people, okay? Even though they are people. Uh, and, and watching uh, the difference in the violence because the culture has changed. And because it's like watching uh, uh, TV, Westerns, and movies, you know, before Sam Peckinpah and other uh, more, well, graphic Westerns showing people getting shot and uh, not just dying. That's what they did. That was violent in itself. These TV Westerns, and when we did our Western show, and we're going to do more about that in, in the future the uh, they fall down they get shot this that and the other thing compared to how a head is completely blown off in a realistic movie perhaps i saw the other night i watched again a movie i like uh, for a lot of reasons not for the violence but then the civil war and any civil war movie you watch uh, the civil war is a gruesome 
not that war is one is more gruesome than the next, but to watch and see, it's gruesome to an extent that you to watch it is nuts. And but the difference between that gruesomeity—that's not a word I was going to do what they do on TV. That uh, gruesomeity. What would they call? What would they do for gruesome? That gruesomatic vision. <laughs> they would make a word out of it uh, of something being that gruesome. In actuality, trying to recreate what it was like, it's not cartoonish. And, and, um, and a gun shot to the head uh, from a, the kind of rifle that was used in the Civil War, okay? In a TV show, you would just see the man, you wouldn't even know where he got hit because it would be the gunshot and you'd see the man fall. In this movie, uh, which was very, which was, and you see, almost went the the very the very alarm almost went off. Don't say very ever ever ever. <laughs> it's gruesome. In this movie called The Free State of Jones, and it's a a movie I recommend anyone and everyone should watch. Free State. Of Jones, I don't think it's the Free State. Free State of Jones, taking place during the Civil War and uh, right after, which slips into re- Reconstruction, the Reconstruction of the United States, which might have been every bit as explosively violent as the war itself. Okay, but the point I'm trying to make here is that a fellow. In the uh, who's leading the southern soldiers over the hill and walking right into, knowing they're walking right into, a thousand northern guns. Okay, all right, and they'll fall down. And you do see the guns get shot, but the first shot you see is the commander who's in the front walking like nothing's ever going to happen to him, and they take his head half off, and they show it. All right, that's gruesome. That's the kind of thing they do to the animated figures in the deathmatch adult swim episodes. The little creatures come in, whoever they are, and some of them are supposed to be actual celebrities. Maybe it's called celebrity deathmatch. There you go. That's it. The characters are animated you know I say clay because they have that looks like clay but they're not clay they're some kind of, of, of form of rubber right and uh, uh, and they take each other's heads off and arms they they just they they defile the uh, human body <laughs> and, um, and that's a lot different uh, than would ever be shown in a cartoon because even, Wiley e. Coyote going after that uh, roadrunner, the things that he did. In other words, not in other words, in these very words, if a large rock fell on Wiley e. Coyote, who, by the way, you know, they never said coyotes have a thousand million lives, but boy, this one did. And and although it it although it's a a cartoon. Uh, <laughs> Oh, God, with the greatest last episode of all time. Uh, uh, Smart and wonderful and not cartoonish at all, but uh, brilliant. Anyway, if you get to see the last episode ever, 
of Wiley Coyote and uh, and and Roadrunner, the last Roadrunner ever made. It, it's a philosophical high. It's a it's a philosophical statement that just. Uh, it it covers so much of humankind, and, and, and you know, cartoons can teach even when they're funny. But that's not the point. The point is, when a large rock fell on Wiley Coyote and rolled off, he was just flat. He was just like a pancake. His whole body turned into a pancake. He wasn't dead. Nothing happened to him. No wonder he kept. No wonder he kept going after that damn thing. He couldn't die. He didn't die. So there was no remnant of what even a cartoon coyote would look like if it was equated as a living creature when a giant rock fell upon it, <laughs> okay? But, um, but here in cartoon land, there's much violence. I'm not talking about serious cartoons. I'm not talking about, because there were serious cartoons. As I said, that's another show altogether. If there were serious, wait, let me take a drink here. Huh? And there were serious cartoons. And, uh, for instance, a Superman back then. Now, here's something I didn't do, and maybe we'll do part two next week. Just to give you an idea of uh, where you're at with cartoons, where cartoons are at, and how they move along. And that is, I had a... 100, let's see what it is here. Let me just look at this. 100 greatest cartoons of all time. It's a list, of course, and how we do our lists. Okay, where am I writing down here for the list? Maybe next week we'll do that, among the other things, whatever things those might be. Okay, uh, so, so uh, you know, so watch for that. Uh, Catolochronicles.blogspot.com and, uh, and you'll, you know, we'll get into it because there's a lot of other things to get into. Don't forget, as I told you before, Dusty Nathan is coming on May the 4th. My name is Frank. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Frank, here's another idea. Oh, oh, oh. Where'd you come from? I've been walking next to you the entire time. I said, how are you, Don? Nice to see you. He said, can't you see I'm eating, Frank? What are you doing? Frank, what the hell are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. I'm Frank, remember? The results say that you, Frank, are absolutely not my father. But my father is a close relative, most likely one of your brothers. Dad has brothers? Hey, you know, I think I met the one that sells smoked sausage and razor blades. I hey! Yeah. The one that sells smoked sausage blades out of the truck. No, we just. Yeah. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha.
Polo Man, who's named towards the title of the show. We're going to always, now, if I remember, sweeten this <laughs> with some cartoon sounds, as the case may be. Good night, Mr. Zernswile, wherever you may be located. And yes, Jessica, Catherine, we will be in touch. In the meantime, go buy my books, do whatever you got to do. Hey, you know, find a way to get through it all, okay? And, uh, and we'll be around for you sooner or later. Sooner or later. And it'll all be one crazy mess. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Slam it up, babes. <laughs> Snort it out. All right, I'm out of here. I got nothing more to say. <laughs>